Hi everybody, welcome back. This is Joni Stahl. I'm back yet again for another episode. And yes, I have been doing more videos lately than normal. But like I said in my last video, <laughs> hey, if the wind is blowing, my ship is going to sail. You know, I woke up early this morning like I normally do. And as soon as I opened up my eyes, I was preparing to get out of bed. And I felt something immediately before I even started thinking about things I wanted to talk to the Lord about and pray. And you know how it is when you do devotions. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I felt something in my heart like click. There was something and more than just click. It was I knew that there was something God wanted to say to me today. I didn't even plan to be here today. And I really wrestled with being here today. But I pushed past it. And I said, I'm going to do this. And then I began to be met with opposition from the enemy. Now, the subject I'm going to talk to you about is going to tell you and make it obvious why the enemy was really opposing my being here today. So before I get started, I'm going to open up with prayer. And if you will join me and agreeing and blessing the Lord that we want his presence here with us, don't we? Because it's him that will bear witness with our spirit, the things that I'm going to be speaking. So let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I just come before you today. And Lord, I bow, I humbly bow before you. You are the Lord. You are God of heaven and earth. I am only a vessel, Lord Jesus, but I submit myself to you earnestly, Lord God, humbly, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, that your word would come forth as living waters out of my belly. And that, Lord Jesus, how I received what I saw and heard today, that you, Holy Spirit, would teach it through me. That, Lord Jesus, that everybody that will be listening to this message, that, Holy Spirit, that you will touch them. That you would bear witness of your own truth. And, Lord, I pray that even as I speak, that you would block the powers of the enemy. That you would scatter the enemy that delights in war. And that your word would have full course and that I may speak your word with boldness as it ought to be spoken but yet with gentleness and respect. To, to your name, I give you praise, and I commit everything to, to you, Lord, because I do this. I do this for you out of love. In Jesus' name, amen. So early this morning, um, someone had sent me a, um, a message yesterday. And I didn't have time to read. I read the message, but they sent me a video with it. And I looked at it, but I just didn't have the time. I, I was busy and I thought, I'll, I'll read it. And I love this couple so much. And I would say their names, but it's okay. <laughs> you guys know who you are. Anyway, so they sent me this video and they were just asking me questions about it, what my thoughts were about it. And they didn't send it to me because they liked it. They just wanted my thoughts about it. And and so it wasn't that long of a video. And I was like, absolutely. Like, I will look at it. 
And it was right after I finished my devotions and prayer. And so when I watched it, I, I immediately was so moved by it, but not in the way that you're thinking. You know, sometimes we're going to hear something that somebody's teaching or preaching, and we're so used to it, aren't we? There's so much mishandling of the word. There's the hand of mishandling the word, and and it's it's deceitful handling, and it's just a mess out there, really. It just really is. And so I we're all really used to it. Like people send us videos all the time, don't they? And we're like, oh, you know, there's certain people that send us things and they want us to believe that. Or there's just this array of confetti doctrine and it's all over the place. And so I wanted to watch this video first off in the morning because I wanted to get back to my friends. So I watched it and I felt such indignation within my spirit. And I'm older now. I don't get excited about stuff anymore. I'm too tired. But I was so impacted and compelled to be here with you today. Because I believe that whatever is going to come out of my heart, let it just, I'm going to just let it come out. It may not come out perfect. I may stutter a little bit. I may be all over the place, you know, how I can be sometimes because it's like I have all this information in my head and it's trying to come out of one funnel tube, <laughs> my mind. But I pray, I prayed before, I said, Lord, give me the words to speak. And I'm going to talk to you guys today about false teachers and about the preaching of hell. And, you know, hell to a lot of especially this newer generation of people. The topic of hell is not always an easy topic, really, probably for a lot of people, and maybe always it's been that way. In fact, I think it probably has been, because there's so many people that come from so many different directions and angles and perce per perceptions about hell. And even the word hell, it just it's such an awful-sounding word that people don't want to hear about hell. If they, if there's any talk about hell, it's either used as a curse word or it's briefly touched upon by people who go, well, we've been delivered from sin, death, and hell. Like, we're not going to hell. And then it ends right there. Nobody wants to know about hell. Or there's some Christians that really believe there is no hell. They're a nihilist. They believe that when you die, <clears throat> um, that when you die, um, if a person dies in their sins, that the lake of fire represents not a place, but a, but um, an action whereby God throws your soul into some furnace that burns up your soul and you evaporate and go into nothingness. So that's an nihilist theory. Uh, but that is only a theory. Some people, they, they teach about hell, but they teach it in such the wrong way that they're trying to scare people into heaven to come to Christ. That will never work. Well, without any further ado, I'm going to talk to you today about hell. 
And of course, I will talk to you about heaven. And I'm going to just tell you what I heard on this video. I'm going to do my best because I'm doing it from memory. So this person has a huge ministry because I never heard of this person before. I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to tell you the name of this person's ministry. You can private message me. I will tell you then. Uh, this person puts out enormous amounts of high quality videos. Um, that's all I'll say about it. And from what I understand, it's spreading like wildfire, this person's teaching. So as I was listening to it, um, you know, it was that very postmodern um, skinny jean, <laughs> you know what I mean, um, preacher. And uh, I did look into him and it said he was a PhD in Hebraic studies and stuff. And I'm like, well, okay, I'm, I'm, I'll hear what he has to say. I'm, I'm, no, I'm no PhD, but I have the Holy Spirit. And he hears, remember what I told you before that my friend said that the Holy Spirit showed him that he sees through our eyes. Therefore, I take it if he sees through our eyes, then he's hearing everything that's coming into our ears. And therefore, we must hear through his ears. And the beautiful thing about uh, this couple that sent this to me is uh, they were not sure about what was being said. Um, but she said something, something clicked in me, not clicked. She said the word, there was a check. There was something she sensed that wasn't right. That's why she reached out. So let's, let me tell you what the person said. So the person was talking about heaven and hell. And it was very smooth, very, um, tongue in cheek, um, very postmodern language, like, hey, you guys, you know, this is what God wants and whatever. You know, every generation you're going to, there's going to be preachers that are going to talk to the newer people in their way that they talk. But I just wanted to hear the information. So he says, we're going to talk about heaven and hell. And he says, okay, so most Christians believe, the majority of Christians see their born again experience this way. That on one side, he drew a picture, he had a whiteboard. <clears throat> he said they get saved and then there's this big long line and he draws a heaven and hell circle, writes heaven and hell in it. And that you live your entire life and you try to do the right thing and you're up and down, up and down throughout your life. And then at some point you wind up at the end, hoping you will be assigned to the right place. Those are his words, assigned to the right place. Which to me, I thought, what do you mean assigned to the right place? If you are, if you are truly born again and you are walking in all of his ways, I'm not talking about spiritual acrobats. You're going to have that witness in you of your eternal assurance. And some people, I know that that can be a whole other, um, video where people will want to go into Calvinism and Arminianism and, you know, I'm not here to do that. I'm here to talk about hell and, and this teaching that's going out wildfire. And I want to make you aware of it because I'm calling it out as absolute heresy. So this person, this learned person, PhD, he says, 
that he began to talk about hell. And he said, let's go to the beginning of creation. He said, let's talk about creation. He said, there was a couple of humans in the beginning. And they didn't, they had an urge to do things their own way. And so they went with that urge. And that is what started. Uh, no, he said, so they went with that urge to do things their own way. He said, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, and I'm loosely paraphrasing, don't take every single word. I'm doing my best. If you want, I private message me, I'll send you the link and then you can hear it perfectly. But he said, God never created a hell. There was never mentioned in his creation that God created a hell. And I thought, where's he going to go with this? Because God never did create a hell. In fact, when he did mention, it, it said what he did with it is that, remember, well, look, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you about this later. Because basically what he says in Matthew 25, 41, then shall he say also unto them on the left, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And then in verse 46, it says, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. So you're saying you're seeing either you're going up or you're going down because hell is a very real place. And maybe that may be hard for you to take. But it is a very real place that Jesus did speak about it. He spoke about it, the doctrine of hell, more than anybody ever spoke about it. But let me go further with this guy said what hell is. And this is his teaching. Just so you're aware, like I just feel so prompted for you to be aware. So he says he grabs. So he jumps from there and he goes over and he grabs the verse of second of James 3, 6. It's about the tongue. Many of you are familiar with this verse. James 3, 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So was the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Well, he took that scripture and he began to describe where hell really is. And he said, hell is came from within man. That hell is from within people. And that the tongue is an instrument of hell. Now I could see what, where he's going with it, but that's not where hell came from. He made it very clear for at least 15 strong minutes that hell is within us when we are unsaved. And that everything that we speak, and he began to speak about, like he said, God hates lust. He hates human sex trafficking. Because of that lust, he hates it. And he hates gossip. He said, and this is the hell that is within people. This is the hell that the tongue, that hell is on earth. And he began to describe that 
hell is he replaced the word for sin because he would not use the word sin at all through the whole thing. But he exchanged the word sin for the word hell. So he said, that is why Jesus Christ died to get the hell out of you. So you can get the hell out of here. And I thought to my, and he went on and on about it. Now, I'm not here to pick on the man. Look, the guy's a PhD. Sometimes they, they know so much, they know nothing. But he painted a universalist picture where he, it, it, it was such, it was probably one of the worst from a PhD, probably the worst preaching I ever heard. And I've heard some pretty bad ones. But see, his is pervasive because it's going all over the world. So he's teaching that without the word sin, he would not use the word sin. He said hell. That hell is in every person. And that and that hell is from mankind. But that that is how God gets hell out of the earth. And he mixes it in with so much smooth sounding doctrine that if you didn't know what you were listening to, you'd go, well, I don't see any problem with it. But there is a very big problem with it. Because by the end of the video, he had everybody in heaven. He drew a picture and wrote heaven in it. And then a little red circle with the word hell in it. And then he says, well, he said, hell will be outside of the city. Now, I know what he's getting. He's getting that from Revelation 22. He's Revelation 21. You know, he's talking about, you know, the city of heaven in heaven and how, but actually it's, it's on her. You know, it's, I don't want to even get into doctrine, but he's talking about that hell is just, he just made it like, and hell is out here. It's just, it's out here. And, and so I won't go on and into and on in it anymore, but you know what a great fire rose up in me. And I said, anybody who takes that word hell and uses it and uses James three, six to isolate and use that word hell and to say it's in a man and in a woman and all humanity unsaved humanity that that is hell and that we are responsible for hell and that Jesus Christ came to take the hell out of you and me. Let's look at that a little bit deeper. James writes, James, you know, it, you know, our tongues, James writes the book of James. Paul writes that our tongues are set on fire of hell. And the word hell here is derived from the Greek name of the Valley of Hinnom. And this was a well-known place just outside of Jerusalem. And Hinnom Valley had been used in the past for human sacrifice. 
At the time of Jesus' earthly ministry, it was a perpetual blazing trash heap because it was associated with garbage, rejection, evil, destruction, and fire. This valley of Hinnom was often held up as a picture of God's eternal judgment on sin, which was hell, a literal, actual place. Barnes' notes on the Bible goes on to say, and he quotes, and it is set on fire of hell. Hell or Gehenna is represented as a place where the fires continually burn. You can see notes on Matthew 5.22. The idea here is that which causes the tongue to do so much evil derives its origin from hell. Nothing could better characterize much of that which the tongues, tongues do than to say that it has its origin in hell and has the spirit which reigns there. The very spirit of that world of fire and wickedness, a spirit of falsehood and slander and blasphemy and pollution, seems to inspire the tongue. The image which seems to have been before the mind of the apostle was that of a torch which enkindles and burns everything as it goes along. A torch itself lighted as like the fires of hell. And one of the most striking descriptions of the woes and curses which there may be in hell would be to portray the sorrows caused on earth by the tongue. There's another scripture I thought of. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. You know, and I thought about that and I thought all nations that forget God will be turned into hell. Well, there were, there's the, the non-studied thought that comes to mind is well, everybody in that nation that forgets God, they're going to go straight to hell. Some other people think, well, I don't know. It becomes a hellish environment. Maybe it's true in both ways. But what I understood from my favorite theologians is that the nation, the wicked shall be turned into hell, into literal at the great white throne judgment, they will die in their sins and they will go into Hades, which is an intermediary compartment of the wicked dead that's filling up every day as we speak and will be emptied out at the great white throne judgment. When it talks about all nations that forget God, the writer of Psalm 917 means the wicked of that nation because not every human being of each nation is evil. You know, Jesus speaks about uh, hell and he says, if thy right, if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life main than to having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched where their worm, he says their worm. That's personal dieth not and the fire is not quenched and if thy foot offend thee and he goes on to say the same thing he says if thy eye offend thee so he talks about your hand your eye and your foot and that means what you do in life what you're seeing what you're putting your eyes on um what your hand is reaching forth to do that means your what you trade in what you've done in life and what you walk in your foot so the eye the hand and the foot is indicative of the person's life on earth that there was 
that was their life of wickedness. And all three times he says, it is better to cut those things off. Meaning repent, acknowledge sin. See, this minister, this pastor, this PhD, for an entire 30 minutes, he refused to use the word sin. And so when Jesus says, if your hand or your eye or your foot offend thee, that means it's offending you in terms of it's working against you. And there's going to be a day where there is an eternal place of, well, eternal separation from Jesus Christ. You know, Second Timothy says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. You know, I was looking at chapter 17, and it's the woman that rides the beast. Now, I've done all my studies that talk about, you know, well, this is the Catholic Church. And I say, this cannot be the Catholic Church, according to my outcome, is personal, because Catholic, uh, the, the Catholic Church is no mystery. It's been around since 325 AD. It is not a mystery. We're talking about a mystery religion, an amalgamation of religions. And this particular pastor so painted and wove such a artful, crafty doctrine. It was something about how to understand the Bible in a few minutes. It was something like that. That really got my attention. And the way he summed it up, he never mentioned the word sin. Uh, everybody winds up in heaven. Hell is out there somewhere. It's just, it's out there. And, you know, all I could feel is like this big sigh of relief from his viewers. Because if there's no talk of sin, without the knowledge of the law, there's no sin. And the law is imposed on sin. And so if you're just going around saying, well, we have hell in us. We are responsible for the hell on earth. Therefore, I'm seeing this person, this person is preaching a dominionist doctrine. That means you, me, and everybody that believes, I don't believe in him, but those that believe in that doctrine that is spreading like wildfire, believe without realizing that he's taking bits and pieces of the new apostolic reformation We'll just say features of it. And he's talking about when you get saved, God eradicates hell. Because afterwards, there's no more hell. And if there is a hell, he even said in the beginning, if there is a hell. And yet there are millions of people that are applauding, giving a standing O for this person who's teaching if there is a hell, God never made it, although it said he prepared it for Satan and his angels in everlasting fire. You know, I brought up chapter 17 and verse three. He said, so he carried me away in the spirit 
into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and 10 horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. You know, the first half of the tribulation, because it is a seven, it's a one, it, prophetically speaking, is for a week. So for the first 1,260 days, the Antichrist says, whatever you worship, whatever you believe in, more power to you. I mean, he tricks the Jews. He's their God, man, Messiah. He's their man. And then everybody's allowed to go and worship. You want to be this. You want to be that. That's the church you go to. That's the temple you go to. That whatever it is. But there comes. So what happens is. See, and the reason why she sits on the beast. It shows that he, the Antichrist, supports her. Because she sits on him. And all the purple the gold, all of that, we, we tend to think of it like, you know, he saw her wearing these things, right? But when you look at purple, scarlet color, and then you look at the gold and precious stones and pearls, do you know those are the exact same things that are absolute firstly, not just connected, that are spoken of in terms of the temple? the temple that was first built. It talked about the purple and purple represents royalty. We talk about scarlet. We know what scarlet is. It's some kind of worm on a tree and such and such. And after it lays eggs and it dies, red juice, some kind of fluid comes out of it. And that's how they dyed the garments for the priesthood. So, and then you see the gold. Gold has to do with royalty uh, you see, uh, you know, the, the golden cup and all those things, those all have to do with religious articles and it's not the Catholic church. It definitely says, uh, mystery Babylon, the great mother of harlots. Well, it doesn't say mother of harlot. It says mother of harlots. That means everybody that will be during that time. And it's building up to that time is preaching gospels just like that man because he says if there is a hell if there is one it's out there somewhere you know satan can't get you to believe that he doesn't exist he'll do the next thing you don't really believe this loving god is just going to pitch people into hell what kind of a loving God would be that? What kind of a loving God would put his son to, why would it say a please God to bruise his only son? Why would God say that, you know, that he, he gave his only begotten son? Jesus knew what he was going to go through. He was not even recognizable on the cross. His visage was so marred by beyond that of any other man that with his blood, he would sprinkle the nations. 
And so what we have is this great falling away. And I believe we are in the full on active phase of it. But let me tell you something. There is a hell. It says in Revelation chapter 20, it says, um, let me start here at verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So we know that in uh, Revelation 19, verse 20, it says, And the beast was taken with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Some people might say, well, you know, they're being cast alive there. And it's like, look, the earth opened up during Korah's rebellion. Read it. Numbers chapter, I believe is chapter 16, Korah's rebellion. They went against Moses, the sons of Levi. And Moses got mad. He's like, you're not, you know, the Korah, this um, Dothan and Abiram, this company of men. And they wanted to usurp. They wanted to take over. And everybody was given their rightful place to do. You're going to be a porter. You're going to be the singers. You're going to be this. You're going to be the that. And they said, look, we're related to Levi. And we we have a part in this. And Moses was so upset. He's like, why are you even? He says, you sons of Levi, you take on too much to yourself. And so long story short, God had a terrible judgment for them. And so they refused. Moses said, Moses sent a courier to them and said, have them meet me. Have the heads of those men come here to meet me. And they sent back, we're not listening to Moses. We're not doing what he said. And so Moses went out to them and he said, ye sons of Korah, ye sons of Levi. He said, by this time tomorrow, you will see something that God will do that he has never done before in all the earth. And then he said to all the tri- all the people camping around their camp, he said, get out, leave now. And everybody fled. And the next day, exactly at that same time, it said the earth opened up and swallowed all those people with Dothan and Abiram, it says their wives, their children, their cattle, their houses, all they owned. It said he swallowed them up alive. And they're not in hell. They're in Hades. Hades is an under compartment of the earth. There's the Abuso, the abyss. That's an under compartment of the world, of the earth. Satan will be cast into when he's cast Chapter 20, when a chain is cast about him and a seal is placed upon, he's thrown into the abyss and they shut it and they put a seal upon it for, and he's in there for a thousand years. Abraham's bosom is an under compartment of the earth. That is the abode of the righteous dead that Jesus says, who is he that ascended, but that he had first descended and went into the lower parts of the earth. And he led captivity captive and said he preached the gospel to them. That's why you see in Revelation 1.12, it says, I, he, when 
John, the revelator, fell down before him. He said he laid his right hand on him and said, he said, do not fear. It is I who once was dead. And yea, I am alive forevermore. And behold, I have I hold the keys to death in Hades. Well, the true Greek writing should not be Hades. It's actually Abraham's bosom that Jesus locked up and that's empty now. But right now, as we speak, there is an under compartment of the world called Hades. And every single person on the whole earth that dies in their sins is consigned into that place. Remember uh, Luke 9, uh, 16, 19 through 31, Abraham's bosom. There was a rich man who fared, who was dressed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a poor man named Lazarus, a beggar who was full of sores and laid at his gate, hoping to re receive crumbs that fell from the, his table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And when the time came that the beggar died, the angels carried him into Abraham's bosom. And then the rich man died and was buried. And in hell, which should be rendered in the Septuagint in the Greek, Hades, he lift up his eyes and he seeth Abraham with Lazarus in his bosom afar off. And he cries out to him and he says, Father Abraham, he said, have mercy upon me. Send Lazarus to dip his finger in water to cool my tongue for I'm in torment in this place. So we know that's a real place. But we also know that Abraham's bosom was a real place because he said, no, he said, because remember during your lifetime, you were comforted. No, he goes, remember during Lazarus's days, he was tormented and now he's comforted. But during your life, you were comforted, but now you are tormented. And he says, beside that, Abraham says, Father Abraham, there is a great gulf fixed between us and them, you, that they which would pass over from where you are and even us to you, it's not possible. And then he said, well, then go and sit. He goes, I have five brothers. Have Lazarus go to him. Go to them to warn them that they come not into this place. Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets and they didn't believe them. He says, neither will they believe though someone rises from the dead. And what echoing words those are, aren't they? Because Christ rose from the grave. And it has been 2,000 years of an echo of Father Abraham. And there are so many people today, they are so happy to believe in heaven. And they might accept, well, I guess so, that there is a Hades and that there is an Abraham's bosom. But I do not see that there is a hell. You know, God has perfect judgment. And who are we to tell God his business? When Jesus speaks about hell, I'm not going to go on and on about it today. But let me tell you something. There are people that worse, as I am speaking, and as you're listening to this right now, that are dying. They're taking their last breath in hospitals, in car accidents. People who mocked God, people who said, I don't have time for that. I heard all about it. Or they took 
what they thought their salvation was for granted. And it was instant, instant. I, I have heard and I've watched so many radical testimonies from people who died and went to hell and they came back and the Lord allowed them to come back. And I believe he allowed them to come back to warn us not to go there. And you know, when we talk about hell these days, there's such a flippant attitude these days with people. They're like, yeah, okay, so if you go to hell, you go to hell. How about unbelievers? Yeah, well, if I go to hell, I'm going to be partying with my friends. I'm going to kick back this and that. Look, I don't even pick on the unbelievers for saying that because that's what unbelievers, they, they're, they're dead and they're dead. They're dead already. They're not born again. They're not spiritually regenerated. But when you get Christians self-identifying, people that self-identify with Christ, there's like, you know, we, we talk about the fear of God, but the word of God has been taken so much. Like I just get this picture of something like a grinding organ. You just grind the same tune, the same words, the same words, the same words until all the hearts of lukewarm believers are so calloused over that when you can talk to them about an eternal separation from God or and that they would say, I'm not worried about it. I know somebody who had an aunt and she lived well into her 90s. And this person was always talking to them about the Lord. And she would go, oh, I believe in God. I believe in God. But toward the end, she grit her teeth and she said, I don't want to hear that anymore. And my friend said to her, there's going to come a day where you're going to leave your body. Where are you going to, what are you going to do if you wind up at the great white throne judgment? He explained that to her and she goes, well, I guess I'll just have to figure that out when I get there. You know, I don't even say that. Like, I feel sorry for that situation. You know, there's so many people that say, if you would have seen what I saw when I was there, look, that man, he wasn't even in the lake of fire. He was in, he was in Hades. He said, I am in torment in these flames. It's a place where you don't want they, the people that are down there. You hear the echo of that man. He doesn't want his family to come there. He's tormented down there. We have heard so many stories where people have seen demonic, sp evil spirits that are tormenting people. And yeah, that's true. I mean, it doesn't matter if you don't even choose to believe it. It, it won't hurt my feelings. But it's not to meant to scare you either. Because Jesus didn't die. You know what that, like that man said? Jesus died to get the hell out of you. There's no hell in you. If you're not saved, if you're not born again, if you have not received and believed Jesus Christ by the conviction of your heart where you just know in your heart that what you're hearing is true, the gospel of your salvation, you know, if, if, you're, if you're not hearing that, I think so many people just say this quick prayer. You know, yeah, I received the Lord and I'm really excited. Now I'm part of this church and I'm doing this and that. But there's fruitless trees, fruitless trees. And they go on and they they identify with Christ and they, they speak the language and they memorize scriptures and they make it on time to this Bible study. And once in a while, they'll share a few words to a sister or a, a neighbor or somebody. But Jesus says to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, because they will wind up there. 
there will be a lot of people at the great white throne judgment and that will take place after the thousand year millennial reign ends when satan is loosed for a little season and he goes abroad the face of the earth and he gathers a great army and against the encamp against the camp meaning against jerusalem and that was his end that will be his end when god takes him and he casts satan he takes satan and his is his takes satan and he throws him in with his all of his fallen angels all of them into the lake of fire where the false prophet and antichrist will be and then john goes on to say and i saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them and i saw the dead small and great stand before god and the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works and the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them see when i told you it should be death in hades that's when hades is they it um it releases all the people on that judgment day because you know when it says i saw the dead both small and great stand that is a courtroom that you're looking at so to speak because whenever a person gets sentenced you have to stand and it says and they were judged every man according to their work and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire this is the second death so it should read death and hades were cast into the lake of fire this is the second death and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire this is a literal place and you don't want your friends and your family to go to and there's so many other um insights in the word like in ezekiel chapters i believe 32 33 and 34 where it speaks about pharaoh being in hell in the pit in hell and he looks around and he sees all of his armies i mean it's really something and no i don't take it as being metaphorical god doesn't need to always be metaphorical with us god speaks plainly to us even when they crossed the jordan and he said gather stones and make a heap and then carve the law upon the stones write it plainly it says the path of the righteous is made plain god speaks plainly and when he says that there is a hell then you can believe a hundred percent that is the place that people will go to eternally where after even a billion years it hasn't even begun that eternal torment that is beyond our comprehension that even torments satan and his fallen angels and all of his demons and if they're tormented in it you think he's going to have any time to torment you see in hades there's demons down there and they are tormenting people but a day comes where he takes all of that and he throws it into the lake of fire and that is a place it's not just something over there and you know jesus died for a whole lot more than for us to go oh, i don't want to go to hell i don't want to go to hell don't 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 receive christ that way don't don't think of it like that 
you know, Jesus made it even clear in Matthew when he said, depart from me, ye cursed. The only people that he's going to say that to are people that are complete, have totally and completely rejected Christ. And he'll say into the everlasting fire prepared, prepared for the devil and his angels. So I hope that you will take what I've said and maybe pass this little video on to others. And I pray that you will know the great sacrifice Christ did for all of us. Yes, we look forward to an amazing eternal life in the heavenly country. But as we live, even as we speak, there are people that are going to that eternal destiny. It's not even a destiny. That eternal place that will become a destiny of their own choice. But it doesn't have to be like that. So just let me warn you. When you hear that gospel or people tell you there's no such a thing as hell, run from them. Run. And have nothing to do with that. And that is actually scriptural. Okay, you guys. I'll see you next week. Just to let you know, I have Holly Koretz coming on on Monday to give her testimony. And it's really powerful. I look forward to you guys hearing her. All right. I hope this has been a blessing to you. And to know that I love you very much. And more than myself, Christ loves you. And he has better things in mind for you. And with that, to be, with that being said, God bless you. Shalom.